Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Jeremy Hans from Climb Capital. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me, Rama. Sure. Thank you very much. Little bit about Jeremy. Jeremy is a co-founder of Climb Capital and has been an active multifamily real estate investor since 2010. He focuses on value-add properties, specializing in apartments and mobile home communities. He completed his MBA from the University of Florida in 2016 and has experience analyzing, acquiring, and managing multifamily properties. He has an active and passive portfolio across the Southeast and Texas. A native of Allen, Texas, Jeremy attended the University of Oklahoma on a Navy ROTC scholarship graduating with a degree in communication. As a naval officer, he served as an MH-60s helicopter pilot, deploying multiple times on board the aircraft carrier. USS John C. Tennis in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. He continues to serve in the Naval Reserves as an advanced helicopter flight instructor. So with that, Jeremy, you want to add anything to your background? Yeah, so thanks, Rami. Uh, yeah, so uh, Navy guy, uh, did that for 10 years and then uh, jumped out to be full-time uh, in the real estate, was able to do uh, a little bit of both uh, for a few years there. And then uh, really proud that we just had our, uh, our fourth child. And so uh, as we sit today, I have a six, a four, a two, and a zero-year-old, a couple month old. So um, busy guy, uh, but love it. And I'm uh, really glad to see what real estate's been able to uh, provide for me and my family. Awesome. Thank you. And so you, you work like almost 10 years in Navy side. Would you share any, you know, any experience in Navy space, any good and challenging experiences? Yeah. So, you know, the Navy for me um, was something that was uh, kind of a business transaction, which uh, I think some people kind of get a little bit of a shake on their, on their face when I say that. Um, a lot of guys I, you know, I worked with and work with now, um, you know, were young children, saw the Blue Angels flying and said they want to be a naval aviator. Uh, for me, it was much more, uh, this was going to be an opportunity for me to get school paid for. Uh, love my country, would love to fly. And so I had the great opportunity to be able to do that. Um, and so joined the the Navy knowing that I didn't really expect for it to be a full-time career. Um, and so kind of from the beginning, started thinking about, hey, what does the future look like? Um, and so while on those deployments on the aircraft carrier in 2011 and 2012, where it's more or less gone for about three and a half years, um, for most of those years, um, I, I just read a lot. So I started getting into uh, you know, what, what could I do with real estate? I bought my first uh, fourplex, did the house hack and burr before that was a a word that people used um, and just started reading, like, okay, what does the future look like for Jeremy? What, what does, what is, what does it look like post Navy? Um, so I wanted to continue to do really good in the, the day job, but also have a plan for the future. And that really that plan I started riding on a, on a ship in the middle of the Pacific ocean is really what I'm executing today, buying uh, commercial multifamily, putting in full-time property management, and then, you know, just kind of building and working on the system um, where I'm not necessarily as in tune with the day-to-day real estate problems because I really have uh, good people who are able to kind of take those things on. So um, I think, you know, with the Navy being a helicopter pilot, learning to kind of basically crash a helicopter is really what we do all the time. It takes about uh, 10% of our time to teach to fly and about 90% of our time to figure out how to uh, survive if something bad happens. Um, has definitely influenced my investing and then, you know, using checklists and then having just kind of that, that, opportunity and requirement really to kind of think fast and be able to move decisively has been really um, impactful, I think, in my investing journey. Awesome. Awesome. So 
What is the reason behind choosing commercial real estate space? So that's a great question. Um, for me, it's because I'm not that good at a lot of things. Um, when I started looking at real estate, you know, I bought the fourplex first. I had I lived in the front little house and I had three units in the back. And this was, you know, back in 2010, first getting started. And um, I realized that I needed a property manager. I was going to be gone overseas. I was not ready for my wife to have to go try to collect the rents. And so I managed that first uh, multifamily four unit, right, with a property manager the entire time. And I learned pretty quickly that, you know, if you hire good people and they do their job well, you can focus on other things. And so while he was focused on collecting my rent and doing uh, kind of overseeing some of my renovations while I was overseas, I had more time to go figure out what my next deal was, right? How could I go find more money? How could I go find more deals? How can I go find more investors? And so for me, commercial real estate made sense in the fact that there were some things I was good at. There's some things I was bad at. And I think as you get uh, more and more into commercial real estate, and especially as you grow that, you can really be good at the part that you're best at and then find people to take over the parts that you know maybe you're not good at. I always like to tell people I've had thousands of units and I've never picked up a hammer in a single one of my units. Uh, not because I'm not uh, unwilling, but because I just don't know how. Like if I picked it up, I'd hurt myself or somebody else. And so, you know, I'm I'm good at the spreadsheets. I'm good at putting together the big plans, good at dealing with the banks, um, making sure the deals make sense, you know, double checking things. But if you ask me to go, you know, swing hammer and go put a drywall, it wouldn't look right and it would probably have to be redone. So, right. Yeah. It's commercial real estate space. It's a, a team game and you don't need to do everything, right? So you need to bring in right people and so that they will take care of some stuff. Absolutely. And share me a little bit more about your portfolio, like what is current current size and, you know, what markets you are focusing on. So, um, you know, I started, uh, our first deal was a mobile home park deal. Unfortunately, uh, the seller passed away two days before closing uh, on a 74 unit mobile home park deal almost nine years ago now. And um, the entire thing fell apart, right? So after nine months of being in the process of trying to see how that was going to go through um, with the lawyers. They eventually just gave the property back to the bank. We lost our contract. My partner and I started off lost $50,000. And so we're like, well, that's really dumb, but uh, we shouldn't do that. But we also realized that people were willing to you know, join us on these deals if we had a good deal and it made sense. And so we, while we were waiting that to happen, uh, we started an office. So our first thing we bought was a small office building. Uh, but since then, we've really focused on uh, Class C apartments and mobile home parks and so we had about a thousand units um, about middle to late of last year. Um, however, uh, we also had bought two RV parks in the beginning of 2020. And over the last two years, we've seen those just continue to succeed. And so we made a pretty decisive pivot. And so we are in the process and have been selling off all of our apartment and mobile home park assets and uh, basically exchanging those for RV parks. So we are we are now buying RV park, uh, destination RV parks kind of in mass. And so currently have six of those. Uh, one under development and then closing on four more here in the next few weeks and also selling basically all of our um, apartment assets here over the next year. I've already sold, I don't know, four or 500 units uh, the last six months or so and look to sell probably another two or 300 units um, through the summer and end of the year. Gotcha. So what is the reason behind uh, selling all mobile home parks and apartments and why, what is the reason behind switching towards RV parks? You know, so I think there's a, there's a little bit of a chasing cap rates. Um, as the cap rates have compressed in the class C multifamily space, I'm making less money to do the same amount of work as what I was doing eight, nine years ago. That didn't seem like a good plan. I wasn't ready to do the same amount of work for less money. The second thing I think is a lifestyle thing, right? The, the, the RV park residents are typically on vacation. They're paying before they get there. There are nice places and nice properties and places I want to visit. And so I think I was just looking for a little bit of a change in my lifestyle to where we could go focus on those places that we wanted to be ourselves. Uh, I love my tenants in the, the class C apartment space, uh, but COVID and the COVID eviction moratorium, the supply crisis, it just made it really, really hard 
Um, and with so many people running into the market, trying to buy the same deals, overbidding, I think often sometimes on deals that were just didn't make sense, I decided there's got to be something better. And so we have the unique ability to uh, pivot to the RV park space since we'd already been in it for a few years. And we had created our own property management company. And so uh, we have created a system um, that's kind of built around us buying RV parks of size um, that we can hire really high quality people uh, that typically have no property management experience, teach them to be a property manager, teach them the hospitality skills, teach them basic business metrics. And then what we have found a lot of success on is giving them enough uh, of the reins um, to go do their job really well. And then we don't micromanage. And so um, really good people with a really good system and without a lot of micromanagement has just drastically changed our lives for the better. And so we're making more money and we're in places we want to be and we're working with people that we want to work with. We have a system we think is just really good for kind of us, my partner and I, and our, our, our whole families and team um, as you know, we are our viewers, right? We are the people that are going to be going to these parks with our, our young families. And so um, it's really been a lifestyle choice. And then also been very blessed that the macro kind of trends have also been to remote work, have been to working from the road, have been from early retirement, van life. Uh, and so the RV park space has just exploded in popularity, but is not yet kind of condensed or um, institutionalized in a way that a lot of the other asset classes have. And what's your business model uh, in RV park space? Like, you know, what's your business plan, exit criteria? Um, so, you know, we're buying right now RV parks uh, in the Southeast um, that are destination uh, vacation places. And so we like water, we like near major highways, we like near major population centers, um, and we really like to buy from mom and pops, which, you know, we're still finding is the majority of the sellers. We like the opportunity to bring in uh, more business systems. And so, you know, whether that's online reservations, whether that's computer software, whether that's uh, updating pricing, following the market better, uh, bringing in more amenities, bringing in tiny cabin homes, um, things where we can know we can add value. And then uh, our, our plan right now is to own these things uh, for five to 10 years and then we expect that as kind of the RV park space becomes the last bastion of, you know, real places to be able to make good returns, that we're going to see more institutional money. And so we're going to continue to own and operate cash flow uh, until the day that we expect that we're going to expect that you know, the market's going to condense so much that we'll eventually just have to sell because it's going to be obscene for what we can make off these things. So I, I don't know if that answers the question completely, but you know, we're uh, we're buying basically everything we can right now in anticipation that in a few years the space will not be like it is today with the opportunity that we see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, how lending works for these RV parks? Huh, that is the downside, right? So you know, these RV parks are. Institutional grade is, is tough to kind of determine what that really means, right? So we're looking for 100 spaces typically to just make sure it makes sense for a property manager. Uh, but most of these are going to be financed, either owner financing or local you know, community bank financing. That's going to put some um, constraints on our ability to continue to grow. And so we're actively looking for non-recourse and more institutional type financing, which we know exists. Uh, but it's just definitely much more rare. And even a lot of our, you know, pretty top mortgage brokers, it's not a space that they've they've worked in a lot. So there's not a cookie cutter answer to that question. Um, it's wherever I can find money, I will do it. And then uh, we're also moving to a fund model so we can move a little bit quicker with cash on some deals uh, if they don't, you know, um, qualify for financing right away so we can get in, make the changes we need so that we can then uh, turn back around uh, to get longer term or permanent financing. Got it. Got it. Uh, so would you share any, you know, best experience in uh, RV park space? Best experience. Well, you know, 
we've had a lot of success. You know, the first one we bought was really more of like a mobile home park setup. We were able to exit that two years later, um, you know, more than double the value, made money along the way. It's tough to, you know, tough to lose out on those. But I think the ones that I'm most excited about are some of the ones that we've bought in the last few years here locally, where, you know, we bought them about half the size that we are to now have, you know, expanding them upgrading the amenities, upgrading the pool, really taking kind of forgotten properties, maybe that hadn't been, you know, reinvigorated in a long time and bringing those back to something where families can come and uh, vacation. Um, and so I often like to joke with my wife, I keep buying our new pools. They just happen to be all over the country in RV parks and just being able to go kind of use some of these properties that, you know, we've bought for our own family. You know, I have very small children and we're not going very often right now with a, with a two month old, you know, the opportunity to go out and, you know, do work and slash enjoy the properties that are also, you know, feeding us and, and all of our employees. And would you also share any challenging experiences in RV, RV park space? Um, you know, I think the biggest one for RV park space is the lack of data, you know, as mobile home or as a multifamily guys. We know that there's the the co-stars, there's the Yardi, there's ALN. You can go to Renonomy, you can go to any of your brokers can go give you all kinds of very specific data. You start working with the major property management softwares. They have, you know, business metrics and analytics that are just mind-blowing. And so you can almost overkill yourself in like trying to determine what's the best data. In the RV park space, there isn't much data that's really useful. Um, there's no idea of how many RV parks there are. What determines an RV park versus a mobile home park is still very shady. And so because of that lack of data, we're having to make decisions based on the limited amount of data that we have or that we've created ourselves. Um, but I think that's probably been the biggest frustration is just, you know, how do we know if this park is really going to work? Because there's not maybe some of the rules of thumb uh, or some of the other things that kind of are, are better known maybe in some of the other spaces. And so that lack of data has definitely been something that we have to overcome smartly, uh, kind of deal the deal. Got it. Got it. So, so uh, based on what you said, so how exactly you're determining whether this, this RV park is better, you know, uh, compared to other ones? Well, so for us, you know, uh, some of it is now that we've worked in some of these spaces and kind of seen these, we have some general ideas based on locations in the country. There's also just been um, a lack of availability. And so uh, we have, three kind of systems inside of our RV park. We have our long-term renters. So people that may be there more than a month. Um, some people, you know, live there almost full time. Some people are just there, you know, snowbirds over time, but they're paying a monthly rate. So that's typically our lowest rate. We'll see, you know, six, 800, whatever the, uh, the, the going rate is in that area for that property, for that spot, um, plus their utilities or right. We'll go to nightly and weekly rates. Um, and so these are the people that are coming in for the week on vacation. They're stopping in overnight as they continue to go. Um, you know, they're not, they're not really living there. They're true RVers that are traveling as they go. And then the third that we've been adding is been, you know, tiny cabins, um, RV cabins that, you know, we can Airbnb. So you don't have an RV. You still want to come out to the, the park or maybe your family's coming to the park in an RV and you want to go with them. You know, these, these cabins that we're able to now rent on an Airbnb type short-term rental setup, that quite honestly are making probably double of what the short, short-term short RV spark is. Um, a lot more uh, infrastructure, a lot more upfront um, expense and capital invested, uh, but we're seeing a really good return on those two. And so what we're finding is that we get into these RV parks, we use it kind of like a slider. Like if we need uh, more occupancy, we just bring in more monthlies. There's almost never enough monthly spot availability for most places. And so we can kind of use that kind of determination of, you know, are we trying to increase revenue or are we trying to increase occupancy uh, and then moving that throughout the year. And that's where we really turn it back over to our property managers to have a much better understanding of the local market of what that needs to be, how that needs to change throughout the year or, or change pricing. So um, it's a, it's really kind of a testing is really the answer, right? We got to just test. There's 
there's not anybody that's going to tell us, Hey, this is the answer, but we do generally know now that we own enough parks across the country and different areas, there's some, there's some general kind of expectations for cost, And so we try to stay inside those, make sure we're meeting the market. We're not super underneath. Um, and then accept that kind of like a hospitality, you'll have some occupancy at time, but even if you have some, um, or some vacancy, but even if you have some vacancy and it's, you know, a lot of short time renters that are filling up the rest, your revenue may be a lot higher. Um, so it's just a test. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. That's great information. And what's your take on uh, commercial real estate and uh, RV park space next few years? I think everybody should stay away from it. It's terrible. Um, please nobody buy it until at least 2025. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think it's great. I mean, I'm, um, we've literally turned our entire company onto it. We've got, you know, 20 something, 30 employees now um, that are focused on this. And so for us, we really think this is an opportunity that is kind of rare and unique in that there hasn't been a lot of institutional money to it. But I do think that institutional money is is building and will start coming. And once the understanding of how to manage these parks and there's more data on these parks continues to be built out by other parties, I think there's a lot of people that will have to take a you know hard look of do I continue buying the same mobile home park and the same apartment complex, you know, at five caps when I can go buy you know, an RV park, maybe at a seven to eight cap. Um, and I think eventually we'll see kind of all those cap rates realign. And I think as long as we stay in the properties that have the most opportunity to continue decreasing cap rates, uh, that we'll be best off for it. So that's kind of our uh, our play. And uh, that's kind of what we're offering to our investors is, hey, let's make a bet on the, the industry as a whole. And, uh, you know, we'll do that in a fund model and not try to just pick off one or two at a time, um, but do that kind of at scale. Any of your personal habits that's that are helping you to be successful? Man, um, you know, I think the biggest habit that has um, succeeded over and over again is being willing to get dirty and not having all the answers. Um, I think for a lot of investors, they spend a lot of time or potential investors spend a lot of time trying to know all of the answers. I think being a helicopter pilot and being in the middle of the ocean and knowing they've had a problem with this helicopter, the only person who solves it is me, right? And not being scared of that, right? Like I know they have the training. I know I have enough information. I'll never have all of the information, but I have enough to just get started. And so willing to get dirty, just start doing the deals and they kind of figure it out as you go. Um, I always remind people, what's the worst thing that could happen on this deal, right? You lose money. Like if that's the worst thing in comparison to like getting shot at or shot down, it's not that bad. Um, so, you know, jumping in, just doing things and uh, being willing to learn on the go, I think it's definitely been my uh, key to success so far. Got it. And any books that impacted your life and what way? Oof. I mean, as a Christian guy, right? I read the Bible every day too. So I think Proverbs is definitely something that I always try to recenter myself back on uh, from a business perspective. Uh, we use uh, Traction by Gina Wickman, the Entrepreneurial Operating System, EOS, in our business. Uh, we're now applying that to our third business uh, that, that we're running it on. Uh, and, you know, I like to say everybody that's more successful and has nicer airplanes than me has used EOS. And so, um, to me, I think that's probably the most impactful book to just turn the chaos of business into a system that can really make some money. Awesome. Yeah. And how are you giving back to community? Uh, so, well, great example, right? So, I teach a couple of classes uh, in the community on personal finance. And so tonight I'll go teach a benevolence class. Uh, so a little bit of, uh, you know, how to make more money, how to save some money, how to find a job. And that's probably my, my, my biggest thing. Uh, and then also, you know, teach some, uh, some Sunday school classes at church. And then with four kids, I feel like, uh, I feel like we're, we're raising our kids together with my friends and I, right. So we're all kind of doing this as a, as a team because we got a lot of them. So, uh, that's my give back. Awesome. And how can listeners can connect with you? I'd be glad to talk to anybody. Um, my wife would be glad for you to call me too, because she's tired of listening to all of my real estate chants, uh, or rants, excuse me. Uh, you can find me on climbcapital.com. Um, our whole team's there. If you have any interest in RV parks, be glad to give you more information and talk about that too. 
um, whether that's partnership, investing with us or, or not, you can email me at jeremy at climbcapital.com. Uh, and listen, you can give me a call or text too, 469-878-0422. Glad to talk to you, um, make a new friend and uh, maybe use some of my words for that day on real estate with somebody else besides my family. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. And thank you very much, Jeremy. Thank you for sharing your experience on RV Park space and on other like multifamily space. Rama, thanks for uh, sharing your platform and let me have a little bit of time to, uh, to just run my mouth. So uh, I appreciate it. Sure. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.